But actually something else I wanted to ask you um, about and, and know your opinions on is what do you think about the brands and companies that have all of a sudden started to come out <laughs> as showing their like allyship or, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you kind I of didn't get that. Ooh. Could you try again? Siri, man. Siri. Siri wants to get in on the podcast. Can we ask him <laughs> yeah. what he thinks? God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, um, they're listening. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to In All Fairness, where I aim to address modern-day millennial dilemmas, the ups and downs of hashtag adulting, and encourage everyone to be okay with not being okay. In all fairness, we're only human, and we weren't meant to be perfect. What was I saying? Yeah, so the black, the brands and um, companies, because on one hand you think, where were you before? You know, where where was your allyship before all of this happened? Now all of a sudden, is it just that they're riding? Do you do you find that you feel they're right riding the wave a little bit? Yeah, this is like you said. It's 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 a it's a it's a difficult thing because in the one hand, and it is a double edged sword in a way. In some cases, because for, on the one hand, them pushing Black Lives Matter in some way may influence somebody who wasn't as engaged with the message to then uh, even click the hash- hashtag and start seeing things which begin the cycle of change for that individual. And in that, in that sense, I kind of... I'm not like super mad at it. I it think reaches a larger in, audience, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like if you've got someone like, um, I don't know, if you've got someone like Nike pushing a message yeah. saying, yeah, saying, oh, Black Lives Matter, putting um, Cape and Neck in their imagery and stuff, it, it, gives some, it gives some juice to the message to mm. reach people that maybe just wouldn't But the thing have with Cape and Neck as well, um, I'm assuming you're talking about Colin Cape and Neck, right? The yeah, 49ers, yeah. yeah like that one's interesting as well because that really that that wound me up that wound me up so much like the way that they did the u-turn and it's 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 sort of that that narrative that really confuses people because it's like mm-hmm. one minute you know 2000 whenever it was 2016 2017 when he 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 took the knee and mm. it was it was made out to be such a big deal you know they took his contract away um yeah sorry i'm just repeating the story for anyone who doesn't know but um you know he lost his contract for however many years they the nfl made it compulsory to stand at the national anthem you know donald trump had obviously a thousand and one things to say about it and now they've just taken a u-turn they're like posting on twitter and you know their solidarity with the black lives matter movement and it annoys me because black lives matter isn't conditional on someone getting killed like it's not conditional on that you know it exists it's always existed from like the microaggressions the hate crimes the mm. lack of representation all of that that is also black lives matter right we, when and i just feel sometimes that the companies and brands they care about black culture but i wonder like do they care about black lives and this yeah. is where i think we really need to like choose who we support companies that we support and like who's actually genuine about it because you know nfl have now come out they've repealed that whole thing but where was that few years ago i think the important thing um 
to, to, to follow up on what you just said, which I, which I completely agree with as well, is we should really be watching the actions of the brand as well as some of the words they say. So, the, you know, they push the message cool. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for doing that. The message is hitting more people. For me to really believe that you actually are about this, though, and it's not just to line your pockets, which I think is for most, most brands it is, to line their pockets by just putting out a little solidarity tweet, which is, you know, it's nice. It's the actions they take. So with what's currently arisen, actions like looking for, if, if a brand is able to, for example, say, yo, we've actually perpetuated some of these things ourselves. These are the things we're going to do to address what we have done in the past. Like if I actually believe that, because I think maybe some brands might see that as suicidal. Mm. Whoa, we're admitting that we did something. We already know, guys, like you're not fooling anyone. We know what you lot have done, especially NFL, like, and even some clothing brands, you know, H&M, ASOS, we've seen, you know, some of the kind of clothing you've put out using certain models, wearing certain things like coolest monkey in the jungle, et cetera, et cetera, or blackface type of products. We've seen that. So we know if you were to come out and say, we have done these things and, you know, we are now we're becoming fully aware of the issue, like that kind of conversation, we're becoming fully aware of the issue. And now these are the things that we're going to change it and actually following up on that. I think then we can say, mm, okay, maybe actually this is actually like the, the, I can, I can trust that this brand isn't just necessarily doing it for money. I think it, it, it's both because, you know, if you're a company that serves largely the black community, it is in your interest to, you know, show that you have solidarity, solidarity with them. One, because they're your customers and, you know, too, because if they are your customers, surely you actually care about them. So it's, I think it's both. It's just that the actions really show, are you about this? Are you really, really about this? Or is this just like a fad for you? And in that case, if it is, I would encourage that black people specifically avoid spending their money with those kind of businesses. Anyone uh, should. Yeah, anyone. I mean obviously we have like more of a vested interest. It's like, okay, you actually don't, you're using us kind of like as pawns to lie in your pockets. And, and if, if I guess I, you're right, I should rephrase that statement. If you actually, if you yourself care about um, creating equality for black people, then you should avoid spending with those brands that actually haven't taken action steps to address their own racism rather than just like a little fist solidarity we support the movement it's more also potentially looking at creating more opportunities for working in those companies for black people like you look at you look at some places in 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 london for example so london obviously is like 13 i think believe 13 percent black population um and when you look at um you know the fact that now a lot of that black population, a lot more of us are going to university, getting um, degrees. Yet when you look at the makeup of staff in a lot of grad jobs in London, you find that, you know, usually the population of the city should be vaguely 
obviously you have some degree of you know margin depending on like the type of industry and and all other kind of um all other kind of factors yet there should be a similarity between population of a city and the makeup of the workforce yet when you look at it it doesn't really reflect that it's more it's it's usually the case that the you know, in London, you have a population of 13% black, yet in that, in that workforce, the amount of black people in there is like 1% or 2%. Um, and clearly, there's, there's some bias as to why that has occurred. So if companies also came up with that uh, and, and addressing those issues, I think, then we can believe them a bit more and, mm. and, and see that they're actually supporting. But... Yeah, I think awareness, the awareness that it gets is, is good. And, and just if in terms of spending the money with them, if they're not taking actions, it's probably wise not to put your money into those companies. Yeah, that's a really good point. As, as long as the statements are being followed by action, then, mm. you know, I think we need to look out for that. And um, yeah, and I think for anyone listening as well, if you want to know or if you want to try and support and show your solidarity as well, I think, you know, just addressing things like you said, if you see there's a lack of representation somewhere and where you work, then I think speaking up, speaking to your managers, asking, making it kind of a known issue and saying like, you don't see, you don't see as much, um, black representation or any any like for, for that matter just like any any and with any ethnicity or like you know female uh, representation i think just speaking up against it um can at least start the conversation and then it's at the the, the forefront of someone's mind yeah um i think because because the the problem there is the bias right and we like for example uh, the black staff in the company that I work for, we've created like a little snack channel and we started talking about what we can do to improve the situation in our company. Um, oh, cool. And the, the main thing is the lack of the lack of diversity, especially when you consider, you know, that we have, we have offices in London and Atlanta, which, you know, Atlanta has a, is, is a majority black city in, in the USA. Mm-hmm. And, London, like I said, has quite a sizable black population, yet we find that in the workforce in both uh, companies that there's not that as much of that diversity within. Um, so, you know, just, 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 uh, so one of the things that we've proposed is to bring in like diversity training. So bringing somebody in to train people about somebody who's black and, and a professional in that field to train the workforce about maybe some of the biases that they have and do it in in doing that you hope that over the long term then when different people come in for interviews whether it's women or or people of of colored black asian or, or whichever other ethnicities those biases have been uh the intensity of those biases has been reduced which then gives those people a fairer opportunity when turning up for an interview or submitting an application, there's less of those biases just at play unconsciously. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, actually, because I never thought about bringing someone in to sort of teach that. And I hope people don't, 
I hope people don't find it embarrassing that they're having to learn about diversity because mm-hmm. it isn't it isn't people's fault necessarily that they they don't know a lot because like we touched on earlier like the education system here hasn't hasn't unfortunately created the amount of awareness that it should have done so if you find that you're not you don't know a lot about diversity you don't know a lot about how to in, involve other races then that's fine as well like people shouldn't feel embarrassed mm-hmm. about you know having to take a session at work on you know black lives matter or on representation and on, on diversity mm-hmm. i think that's fine as well like don't feel embarrassed about it i think we need to also be encouraging of that and encouraging you know encouraging people not to feel ashamed I, I i really agree with you and that's a really good point to bring up about not being embarrassed because you're right it's it's something which because of the way the system is at the moment like just just the way that for example school system is or even depending on where a lot of people have grown up they may not have interacted with so many different people and and then maybe you know they've moved from countryside or other kind of more rural areas into the city where there genuinely does tend to be more of a diverse um, population and they have unfortunately got these biases and it should we you know we should be open and like the environment for this shouldn't we you know it shouldn't be hostile it's more just okay you know we want to improve society we want to improve people's lives we want more cohesion and togetherness and community these are the steps we need to take to get there and this is us like helping rather than more like a dictatorial you're gonna learn this because you need to it's more like hey man we we don't feel so welcome and there's some things that make us feel uncomfortable in this setting which can be addressed and this is one of the things that we can do together to address it um so yeah i think yeah you made a really good point there Uh, uh, people who are becoming aware of this and and maybe may have to go through learning these kind of things shouldn't be embarrassed it's a learning process so um and it's and it's important it it is for the betterment of the environment uh for for the like social environment between um people especially at work where you know a lot of these things happen um subtly Mm -hmm. and because of the setup where you know people are worried about losing their income they may not they may not speak up about these things they may be fearful of it because if let's say your boss doesn't believe that this is an issue or, you know, is in denial of it or doesn't take the right actions, then, you know, how far do you take it? Because, you know, if you lose your income, you can't pay your rent or for bills or all these other things. And there's a lot, the, 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 the dynamic of being at work and doing this off your own back is quite difficult. You know, it's quite difficult to challenge that. So, if you're a company who is pushing the message, then these are some of the things that you can do on top to, to um, you know, really push that change. And it should definitely come from a place of allowing everyone to be open so that the improvement happens. I know a friend, some friends, and I've heard other 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 black people say that they um sort of are a bit fed up of having to teach people so they don't believe it should mm. be their job to teach people um there's a sense of like kind of representation burnout mm. i feel like 
you know, having to, if you're, if you're one of a few black friends in your, in your friendship group, then you're kind of always having to accommodate white people's feelings of guilt and like censor yourselves to make them feel less uncomfortable about talking about race. Whereas now it's kind of like, no, we, no matter how uncomfortable you feel, this is, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. But you know, how, like, what have your experiences been in, you know, having that feeling of always needing to teach people? Is it, should it be your responsibility? Should it be? And it's, I just finished watching the last dance actually. Um, the the netflix documentary about michael jordan and it was really interesting because i um it's it's interesting how race plays doesn't play a part in sports a lot of the times in america so like the nba nfl like it's almost as if like they pick and choose when they want to be racist and when they don't like when they've got a Mm. superstar like michael jordan who's you know taking them to championships for however many years race isn't an issue for them when you know he's winning all their titles for them and I remember one episode actually and he said that he was like I'm he was getting a lot of backlash actually for not representing the black community as much as he should have done when it came to stuff like race and he kind of he sort of said you know well I'm here to play basketball I'm I'm not an activist and on one hand I'm thinking you know you're on this massive platform you should be representing your like the the people that are suffering but then at the same time like he's also just he's also just a normal person and why should he have that burden just because he's black to have to be an activist you know he just wants to play a sport that he loves and play it well so there is always you know that feeling of having to that burden do you find that you have that burden of you know constantly having to teach people like how do you feel other people need to now get involved and take on that responsibility um yeah the 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 michael jordan uh example is really interesting because like i i, I want to talk about that for a little bit because i saw something recently um dizzy rascal was on good morning britain so he was on um gmb with uh, uh Piers and and susanna uh yeah Piers. <laughs> oh that guy to be honest i actually feel like Piers is just a troll i don't really know if he's actually like racist or right wing i feel like he his whole mo is just okay whatever seems to be the thing that people most people believe in i'm just gonna say the opposite to he plays create. devil's advocate doesn't he he's just a he's just a he yeah he not like he's very good at what he does which is just to make people angry at what he says he does anything to just inflame a conversation so actually him i actually don't really watch for what he says because his game is just to piss you off. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. in this in this particular interview with um, Dizzy Rascal, I think they were talking about either he has an album coming up or he's going to do tour dates in the future, something, something, like, uh, something of that ilk. And then Piers asked him to speak on, you know, Black Lives Matter, and Dizzy was just like, "Bro, I'm not here to speak about that. I don't, I don't want to speak about." It. And Piers was going in at him like oh but you know you're a successful black man you should speaking as he was poking at him and then dizzy was like yo yo yo, you need to chill like i'm not talking about that if you want to talk if you want someone who um to talk to about that you should get 
someone like Akala on the show or some someone else who is a bit more well-versed than me. Like, I'm not that guy. Like, that's not what I'm here to talk about. And I think, same as MJ, like, they shouldn't really be expected to because you're right, they're just men. Like, they're, well, they're just humans. They're, they're, they're just guys who are doing a thing. They happen to be black, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be activists. Yes, they do have a platform and... Obviously, there's a lot of power with that if they do speak about these issues, but I don't think we should expect them to because they are also individuals. And coming back from, from there, coming back to my own personal experience, I think what I think is if you're somebody who you, you should really, you should have your own like barometer of what you think is like how much energy you put behind how you support the movement. So whether that's just flinging out a couple tweets or putting a few things in your story or making videos where you talk in um, length about these issues or you have direct conversations with people who may not see, see it the way you do. I feel like everyone has their own kind of compass on what to do. I also, though, think that the only way to reduce ignorance is through education. And for some people, having a conversation with them is their education or at least plants the seed for them to then dig more. I think that we should be open to educating people who are open for that. So sometimes I see people say, oh, like, teach me or, you know, they they ask to be taught, but you it's very clear where the energy is coming from. It's because they're kind of in denial. It's like, I don't believe racism exists. Show me it exists. Educate me that it exists. And I think in that case, yeah, shouldn't waste time with them. It's clear they've made their mind up. It's it's a lot of energy sometimes to, to educate people, um, especially if you have to share personal stories that really... Mm are really painful to relive it's hard to do that I do think it does have an impact when you can do that and I feel like it should be done for those who are really open and empathetic to the fact that you're doing that to the fact that you're having those conversations if they come with that energy I think yeah we should be open to also having the conversation Um, I think it just really depends on who you're having a conversation with at the end of the day, because if somebody's already made their mind up, you're entering now a debate. And with some of those really, uh, you know, past experience, uh, conversations about past experience and, and more anecdotal things, which play into what the system is, it's not really a debate. It's, supposed to be an open conversation there's it's a different um dynamic so i think yeah we should be open to educating when it's in that like form rather than if it's a debate if you haven't got the if you're not that person because there are people who are like akala's a, a really good example he's a like a rapper writer author um content creator he does loads of different things um uh, he's from North London um, and he talks about race in a lot of his music. He goes on lots of shows like uh, Question Time. He's been on a few times. He's He's been on Good Morning Britain as well and, and other platforms talking about 
race and class and you know British history and and history of the Americas and colonialism and all these things and how they play into the system that we have now and implicit racism etc cetera, etc cetera. and he's very knowledgeable like he's got facts for days man's yeah. an ex- encyclopedia with with this in this kind of area so someone like him he's actually ready to have that debate he should be having them conversations with people that think he's wrong because he he he's built for that so maybe for people like him he's like yeah i'm having the conversation with the guy who uh who doesn't think that racism even exists because i'm built for that but for a lot of us that's not really our lane. So you shouldn't expect education from us. So I think it it goes back again, like people have their own compass of what they think is what they can do. And we should kind of respect that. But then also as black people as well, I feel like if people are open and empathetic enough, then we should like to bring that change and to address ignorance, we should be open to, to sharing some of those experiences and, and educating. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's important for everyone to understand that there is that level of exhaustion that comes from your side. So it's more, it's so important now that people listen and really, really listen, because I don't think it's something that you really, that everyone really thinks about. I think it's so easy for us to sort of see a black person going to a protest and going on these marches and educating everyone. And it's so easy for us to think that that comes so naturally to you. But what we don't appreciate is that it's exhausting. And like you said, it's painful to relive all of those moments and have to constantly have to, it's not your job to have to teach us, but you've taken on that role. You've sort of inherited it unintentionally. And it's our responsibility to just listen and appreciate what you're telling us and accept it, sit with it. And take it in and then see and then whatever we can do then to support will help drive any change forward so i think that's really important that we address that and it doesn't help that like the media will always kind of twist the narrative and and make it out to seem like you know with the protests (sighs) the focus was always on the looting never on the the peaceful side Mm. the, the, the statues and and all of that and you know especially like in in the time like during like during covid and you know everyone's sort of argument was you know why are these protesters out um but then you know people didn't see the amount of people that just wanted to go to the beach for a nice Mm. you know day out in the sun nobody cared about them them people the people protesting for fundamental human rights and then you've got these beachgoers so i think it's important to really just not focus too much on what the media are saying like listen to the people who have lived it, who have those lived experiences and fight that narrative that the media creates. I think, um, I think it's already kind of happening because I feel like if you're tapped in and you're, okay, if you're somebody who believes that systematic racism exists, then you will probably be able to see what the media are doing as like twisting the narrative And then also as well, I think what's really important about this era is obviously um, for as as bad as it can be and it gets dark, uh, social media has actually helped with um, addressing 
that narrative and actually giving a different perspective. So people who've gone to protests and shown what was happening for the large majority of them or people just sharing what is actually happening on, on the ground rather than what the mainstream media are feeding the people. Um, if you're somebody who's tapped in it to that level, and because to be honest, it, it goes back to what I was saying about confirmation bias as well. There might be a lot of people who watch the news and because they don't have an awareness of the problems that are happening, they will just take that and use it to confirm, yep, those people are, wow, they're, bra- they're breaking the lockdown rules and they're, you know, there's this pandemic and, oh my God, like this discredits their whole movement. And it's clear that it's, that's not from a place of actually from critical thinking. It's not, you haven't critically thought if that's the conclusion you're making. You've just gone with this to confirm your own bias. If you were critically thinking, maybe you'd say, okay, cool. It is quite dangerous. Granted, yes, we've got a pandemic and there's a, there's a, a virus going around which could kill people. But then that should pose the question, well, this must be really important for those people if they are willing to risk this thing to go out and protest. This must be something which is quite, like, this must be quite a deeply painful thing for these people. There, there's, a, there's a strong emotional reason for why they're out there. If you're actually critically thinking about that situation, and, and that's, to be honest, those are the people you want as part of any movement that fights for equality, because then uh, people trying to curveball gaslight the issues, you are able to see it more clearly for what it is. Anyone else who's just jumping on mainstream media's painting of what's happening, like, yeah, okay, I guess it doesn't help because maybe it swings people to think that this movement isn't... uh, doesn't have any credibility, but if you're really looking at the situation for what it is, and you know systematic racism racism exists, then you won't buy into that narrative so easily, I think. Yeah, 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 it's so true. Yeah, I think people need to stay open-minded and realize that you're not protesting for fun. It's, (laughs) you know. You don't, you don't just choose one day to get up and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go protest today just for the shits and giggles. Yeah, like, especially when it's around the, the reason for the protest being sparked is because a man was suffocated for eight minutes, 46 seconds. Within, like, no one wants to see that shit. And mm. no, no one is that, like, people aren't going out, that people are protesting because of, painful things like this and then also knowing where it stems from because I think that's also the other thing that for a lot of people wasn't very clear I see a lot of people say oh you you know it comes back to Britain thinking it's just in America oh I don't know why they're protesting you know because a man was killed in the USA it doesn't make sense well when you look at the issue it's because his death sparked these wider conversations and we know where that death comes from. It's, it's because it's, uh, it's built upon like a pyramid of racism, which starts at the subtle little digs at black people and then it levels up 
to a point where somebody like those those moments of subtle racism build up to a point where somebody thinks I can take this person's life because they're black I'm in a position of power nothing's going to happen to me I have the power to do this because you're lesser than and that's it it stems from this subtle form so I think again a lot of the people that protested it it was because they knew where those actions stemmed from and yeah they were really they were willing to 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 risk um going out during the pandemic to 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 voice their opinions um and especially if other forms of that have hit your family like you know, for a lot of people, when their grandparents move there, move to the UK, the treatment that they uh, endured was, was you know, subhuman in some respects. And they know how that's impacted, like, the consciousness of their family, how they operate in society today, how they feel about themselves in, in, in Britain and, and things like that. So... When we really look on, when we unpack it, there's a lot of sense to why this happened. So, just taking the media's mainstream, the mainstream media's um, messaging is is actually quite ignorant of a, of a of a lot of people. If that's what you're doing, so yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, create your own narrative essentially, and and think mm-hmm. before you do judge guess um but yeah i'm just conscious of this running over time so um i think that was really insightful wasn't it it was just it was great to hear your experiences and your Mm. what your thoughts were um just to round up actually before i forget do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about your book and what it's about and um yeah yeah, just like the little you know (laughs) give it a bit of a plug (laughs) yeah sure thanks i appreciate that um so the book, uh, so yeah, I actually wrote, started writing this book based on um, race. Uh, when Black Panther came out a couple of years ago, I was really inspired. Um, and again, it comes back to, you know, Black Lives Matter. One of the facets of the movement is that there's not enough representation. And with representation, you build self-esteem and you also... Um, and like it gives others an incentive to respect you as human beings because you're being represented as loads of different behavioral traits. And in this case, it was hero- heroism, community, society, organization, power, strength, and all the love, compassion, all these human traits were being displayed in a, in a black community. And I, I loved it. I, it, I watched it and I just felt super, it was like, yeah, I was just like, I was Wakanda forever, all that, like, I was, it it gassed me, I'm not gonna lie. So based on that, I I was, because I've always wanted to write a book, Um, I was speaking to my mom one day and she said, oh, maybe you should, you know, do something similar, but for your own environment, Um, and especially London, global city, but we don't really have a superhero, like, you look at New York, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, all these kind of Marvel heroes, but London as a global city doesn't really have a superhero you can look at and be like, yeah, that's our guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I started writing a book and 
uh, almost finished and going to be ready to publish in the next month. So hopefully by late August. So the book is about a black um, London teenage superhero. And essentially he, um, you know, he's, he's grown up in, in working class environment um, in a dystopian um, type of London and acquires superpowers through a series of events and uses them for his own good. Um, so uh, to, to make money, women, status, <laughs> and through those actions, faces tragedy and realizes from that that he has to save London from genocide by the government. Um, and that's really all I can say without giving away too much. Um, but yeah, the main premise of the book is really representation and also representation and a bit a bit of light on the on the on the London culture in mm. in superhero land. That's incredible. Them. Okay. When you do when it does get published, then definitely hit us up and if you're listening then do go out and support because I think it's important we've all grown up. All of us have grown up in a society where we haven't seen people of color black people being represented represented in the entertainment industry you know dolls as well when I was growing up never saw anyone that looked any dolls that looked like I did um mm. and it's so important now for us to support um creators like you that are putting that out there like black people can be superheroes and you know we've got to celebrate that and I think it's really cool that you're doing that so yeah good luck Thank you. Thanks very much. And and again, like back to you as well, creating platforms to have conversations like this, because this is a this is a really uncomfortable topic for a lot of people to dive into. So I'm I'm grateful that you you know brought me on and and oh no, and thank you so much for coming on. Discussion. Thanks so much. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I've yeah, it's been really insightful hearing your stories and your experiences. And I hope that it's helped people to realize that it's, it's okay to sit with the uncomfortable feeling and the uncomfortable reality that this whole period has brought about. But we need to all stand together to make sure it doesn't just become a moment now and don't be so fearful of getting it wrong because it is just human to get it wrong. Um, don't let that make you become defensive, but appreciate if you get told that something you've said isn't right accept it and then learn from those mistakes and you know we can all grow from this and it's important and it's unfortunate that it's come about from such a terrible situation mm. and it's heartbreaking because it's not just George Floyd but it's the number of other stories that have also come around since then but it, it, it's it's happening and the dialogue is happening now as a result so hopefully we can do George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and we can do them all justice by actually keeping this momentum going and keeping the movement going and I think just do what you can in, in the environment that you have and that's all that matters really I think. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. More than <laughs> a fist is needed though, you need more, you need more information, learning, everything that Shreya said. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this two-part series with Dami and were able to take away some important messages from it. The conversations around the realities of racism in the UK need to continue to be addressed and although I was only able to touch the surface on some of 
these issues with Dami. I hope that together everyone can pick up where we left off and look within ourselves and within our own immediate surroundings to see where improvements can be made. Because they can, no matter how progressive you think you or your neighbourhood and society is, there's always room for change and it may be uncomfortable to start, but nothing great ever came easy. I've popped a few links to resources, books, documentaries and petitions in the description under both episodes if you needed somewhere to start. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!